0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Fourth and a half yard at the six of Colorado. Now it's going to be an empty set. Snap back. Adrian's going to run off the right side. He's in there for a first down. He's in there for a touchdown.
1: Nebraska takes the lead back here at Folsom Field.
0: Now let's check the pulse of
2: Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr. Welcome to a Sports Nightly Tuesday Night Edition. Happy to have everybody into the program here tonight. Ben McLaughlin, Nate Rohr, Tim Curran pushing the buttons. He'll join us throughout the night here tonight. Calls and questions, welcome. 866 Husker 1, 866 487 5371. That's the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations and service experience the difference Purchase with confidence this is woodhouse uh we got a lot to get to here on the program we of course are following uh the news that is every day affecting the sports world and today was dominated by the national football league and i feel like most days that's going to be the case uh but that's okay and it gives us something to talk about, gives us something to go through. Um, but, of course, we'll we'll tup, touch on many other topics as we go along here on Sports Nightly. Coming up here this hour, Nate will chat with Nebraska wrestling coach Mark Manning of all of the disappointed coaches, athletic directors, athletes. Mark Manning is probably towards the top with um, his emotion of not being able to take a school record 10 wrestlers to the national tournament. So, unfortunately, uh, for the Huskers on the mats, the season is over. But we'll get the thoughts of Mark Manning and, you know, what he's doing to cope with all of this after the tremendous season that his wrestlers had finishing second in the Big Ten Conference. In hour number two of the show, Extended Top Ten Tuesday. We'll expand on this here in just a second. But normally just a one-segment thing. It lasts most of the hour anyway. New twist, new wrinkle tonight that we're really excited to run out there your way. Uh, should add a little flavor. Should spice things up a little bit. Might fire Nate Roar up a little bit. If we're so lucky, that could be the case. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we'll get through it, and, and hopefully um, the the full hour-long Top Ten Tuesday uh, will, will be a hit, and we can continue that moving forward. Nate, let's let's actually start there. yesterday, on sports nightly right out of the shoot uh we were fortunate enough to get an hour with bill moose and uh i had a a couple of people tweet at me i even got a couple of emails of people uh and even texts from from close friends and and family asking what's what's going to happen with sports nightly what what is the plan moving forward of course we didn't want to spend any time taking that away from bill moose and, and addressing that yesterday so let's Let's just give people an idea of what what the conversations have been like here on the Husker Sports network since all of this has started um, We've had several meetings as a staff we've we've put our brains together what makes the most sense uh, what is still entertaining for all of our listeners and what what can we still bring to the table as a sports talk show to where yes there are no sports going on but we can still provide. An entertaining show to all of our loyal listeners every single night. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna implement some new things. There's gonna be some new wrinkles to the show, like tonight with the hour-long Top Ten Tuesday, uh, just to keep it interesting, to keep people engaged. We've got you know March Madness typically happening this week, so we will relive the best moments in the NCAA tournament history here tonight on the show. Um, we look forward to hearing from a lot of different parties that are affected by this uh we we hope we heard from jeremiah searles last night on the show we hope to get him involved to hear a lot from his former teammates former huskers um obviously you know we've had a lot of success in the past with our greatest games features that we've run in the summertime where fans can sit back and listen to some of the great husker football games that have happened and you I know our our studio staff is working hard to implement other sports with greatest games, such as men's basketball and, of course, Nebraska volleyball as well. So uh, we're going to we're gonna do some new things. We're still going to have a lot of the old flavors. Teddy Greenstein will still join us on Thursday nights. Uh, hoping to get Ian Rappaport on this week. If you follow him on Twitter, you know just how active he's been the last few days tracking down stories in the NFL. Hope to get him on. Uh, th- this has just been an interesting time for all of us. And I know, Nate, you, myself, Tim, Josh, Brett, uh, Austin, I'm leaving some out. Uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to st- still still be entertaining and not just have this be you know a mail-away type show and, and, and still make it entertaining for everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why we can't have a little fun, even though there are no games in front of us right now, and and we'll do what we can. I mean, hey, in a perfect world, we'd be talking about Will Bolt's first season. We'd be talking about uh, Huskers softball and them beginning Big Ten play, but that's not the situation we have. But. There's still space for some conversations uh, with student-athletes, with former Huskers, uh, reviewing what has happened in the history of Nebraska athletics, those sorts of things. Because, you know, we're all anxiously sitting back here waiting for sports to come back, Uh, but we, we have to pass the time while we wait for sports to come back, so... Uh, we'll, we'll delve into history a little bit. We, you know, the one luxury we have with very little going on in the sports world right now, we can get a little deeper. We can have deeper conversations with, you know, athletes, coaches, things like that. And, uh, you know, it, it also allows us to be a little looser, have a little more fun. And uh, I think we'll, we'll try to do that in these next couple of months, knowing that uh, it's going to be a while before we have live events in front of us again.
2: We are going to do a lot of things that engage everybody listening. Um, So if you have a social media account and you're not following at Husker Sports, this is the time to do it because a lot of times we're going to be referencing things posted on Twitter, on our Facebook. Uh, We've got some really exciting things coming. I'm, I'm not quite ready to announce it just yet. We might drop a little tease later on tonight about some something really interactive really fun really competitive <laughs> uh score related uh game related have i given enough away nate uh that that we're, we're we we've been working on a lot of the day today to hopefully make uh sports nightly a little more interesting and you know maybe for you fans out there give you something to pay attention be pay attention to as well but um, really excited about this opportunity. It, it allows us to be a little more fluid, a little more free, and you know, a little more human too, for that matter. Give you a, a glimpse of what's going on uh, in our lives and, and behind the scenes as well with uh, with everything going on. Okay, enough of that. That being said, uh, Tim alluded to it earlier today, and I'm really surprised that he's soldiering on and working today <laughs> uh, with the news that his beloved TB12 uh, is no longer a New England Patriot. For much of the day, we were anticipating his new destination after his social media post earlier today finds out Tampa Bay will be his destination. So he and Jameis Winston can go eat all the W's that they want Mm. in Tampa Bay. Uh, Nate, let's just start first with the social media post. And to me, this kind of goes back to the cryptic, cryptic tweet he put out a couple of months ago of him either entering or exiting the stadium Uh, you know, basically getting everybody to freak out and and ultimately having through today as well. So what was your kind of reaction when when this first happened and you saw the tweet this morning?
1: Uh, You know, I'm disappointed he's going to go down this road. I I think we all were operating under the idea that his time as the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots was going to come to an end. Uh, he's getting up there in age. Anybody who watched him last year saw that his arm strength has really gone downhill without a great cast around him in terms of receivers, in terms of backs, you know, just people to get the ball to that, that offense isn't going to be all that good. And so the Patriots were really faced with the decision of bringing him back and, and convincing him to come back at a reduced rate or letting him walk. And, and the other dynamic here is, I think Tom Brady, obviously every athlete that succeeds is really competitive and, and really self-motivated and, and wants to be the guy. But I think that's to an extreme, even for professional athletes with Tom. And, and we've heard the friction around the New England Patriots uh, about you know each of the three sides here. Tom Brady, the quarterback, the head coach, Bill Belichick, and the owner, Robert Kraft, all wanting to be the guy credited for the dynasty. And, you know, rather than just sharing the credit, rather than just collecting your Super Bowl rings, uh, you know, everybody wants the lion's share of the credit. And so that battle uh loosen Tom's tie, I think, to New England. I, I wish he wouldn't do it. I mean, it. I my favorite baseball player growing up was George Brett. My favorite baseball player now is Alex Gordon. I respect the guys who stay with one team for, for their whole careers. And the fact of the matter is Tom Brady has very little good football left in him. And it just feels like a guy being stubborn, not realizing that his time is up, not realizing that he isn't an effective NFL quarterback anymore. And so I I was disappointed to see that he wouldn't take the, the hint that the, the Patriots were giving him and saying, look, you, there's not a spot for you here. You, you're not good enough anymore.
2: To me, um, I, I'm with you. There is something very admirable about athletes who have wildly successful careers that stay with one team the entire time. Chipper Jones, Joe Maurer, you know, it's it's happened. Rip your- it, it, it Yeah, yeah, there are, there are multiple examples. Um, but what's next? I mean, it's really hard to – we knew this day was coming. We knew eventually, especially after this year – there would be, need to be a new era in New England football. There would need to be a new avenue for Robert Kraft, for Bill Belichick to win. Tom Brady couldn't be uh, the forever solution. But now that it's finally here, I think to me, Nate, I'm starting to realize, and I want to pull Tim in here too because who better to speak on it than a Patriots fan for <laughs> as much crap as we give you, Tim, in all seriousness. <laughs> like when you, when you look at this situation – and answer the question, what's next? To you, what do you think of? I mean, as somebody who's followed this guy and followed this franchise, it has to be pretty scary knowing exactly what this dude meant.
0: Um, you know, it's – It's strange, and I I agree with what Nate was saying. I mean, obviously, I'm not really sure what's next. I mean, do you try to go make a move in the free agency market? I know that there are some reports out there that the Patriots might be interested in Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, that does not look like that's happening anymore. Um, Do you go and pick a rookie in the draft? I mean, the Patriots don't really have a great draft pick unless they want to trade up. So I, I guess into the coming years... With with Belichick at the helm, you always feel confident as a Patriots fan. But obviously, not knowing what that quarterback position is going to look like makes you uneasy. But it, but as far as Tom Brady goes, um, you know we've seen a lot of this happen before, where there is a legendary athlete who has spent. Their whole career, I think. I think the the easy analogy that comes to mind is Joe Montana, where he spent mm-hmm. nearly his entire career in San Francisco, San Francisco, and then uh, spends a couple of his uh, golden years, uh, shall we say, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And no one really remembers those years um, uh, unless you were a you know devoted uh, fan living in KC at the time or, or following that team closely. But um, it, this is a strange, strange situation, and I'm, I'm not really sure. You know, and and I, I at the end of the day, I have to respect Tom. I mean, if there's, I, I don't think I've seen anything on social media where there are people going off the, <laughs> off the you know handle and, and and burning Brady jerseys. I don't think there's going to be anything even close to that. But it, to me, like Nate was saying, where it's like okay, at a certain point, you have to take the hint. And the Patriots, by all accounts, looked like they were ready to have him. Stick around, and uh, but he wants to go to Tampa Bay, which doesn't seem like a organization that has everything ready made. And it also sounds like there were some organizations that turned down Tom, like Tennessee, because they felt that they had a better thing going um, at QB already. I mean, when you're when you're 42 years old, you only have one, two maximum seasons left. So, uh, and of course, not very high quality seasons. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to – I think I'm at peace with it. I, I think that this was kind of where it's heading the whole time um, in terms of where I'm at. Uh, and, I, again, it's going to be kind of – it's going to be very awkward, <laughs> I think is the only word I can say, watching him play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's not a team that I envisioned him landing up at. But it, but I think he deserves everything that's coming to him. I mean, he's he's he is Tom Brady because he's the ultimate competitor. And none of a, no talking head is going to be able to convince him that – he doesn't still have it, you know, and that's, that's what makes Tom Brady Tom Brady. Even if he really doesn't have it, um, no no one's going to talk him out of it. So I wish him all the best. If he has success down there, I I don't really anticipate that he, he will. I mean, I don't really anticipate, um, you know, they're probably going to be right about 500 is probably the expectation for them, honestly. I don't anticipate them making the playoffs even. So uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out. But right now, I I wish him all the best. But you're right, Ben, It's it's going to be weird.
2: Yeah, it definitely will be. Um, and now moving forward with, with New England, um, as Tim said, who knows how this is going to look. Um, solid defense this year. They're going to win them some games next year. There's no doubt about it. But certainly uh, certainly interesting nonetheless with the news today with New England. There was a ton of movement around the National Football League today with rosters, with trades, with uh, franchise tags. And, yes, even some former Huskers uh, making moves today as well. So um, really interested to see how this is all going to work out with Tom Brady, with New England, and, um, you know, <laughs> the idea that this is over uh, and the last pass that Tom Brady threw for New England was a pick six in the playoffs. Uh, very interesting stuff. There's no doubt about it. 866-HUSKER won the number, eight six six four eight seven. Five three seven one. The number get into the program here tonight. We'll step aside when we come back. Mark Manning, Nebraska wrestling coach, will stop by. Looking forward to uh, to hearing from him. But before we do, toss to a break. Want to give you a heads up about our Runza Twitter poll that's up right now. Again, talked about this to start the show. This is a good week to start following at Husker Sports on Twitter. Uh, we've got a poll up right now about Tom Brady leaving New England. What are your thoughts? Should have stayed in New England, should have retired, think Tampa's a good spot for him, or wish he would have gone anywhere else but Tampa Bay. Should have retired, 51.2% right now, should have stayed in New England at 23%, 15% think Tampa's a good place, anywhere but Tampa, (laughs) 10.7%. Nate, I'm just laughing because I can't get my head around Tom Brady running out of the tunnel with that uniform after how professional, how buttoned up, how... Um, I don't I don't even know the, the other words to describe the New England classy, franchise, but you, classy, you're, going for, you're going from one end of the spectrum to the other with those unis, Tom yeah, Brady running he, out there.
1: He's running out of the tunnel in a clown suit in a stadium with a pirate ship uh, playing for a franchise and, and beating out a guy who stole crab legs while he was in college. And, it's it's Johnny Unitas playing with the with the uh, the Chargers it's Joe Namath playing with the Rams. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It's Jordan with the Wizards. And, and again, you know, athletes, their stubbornness, their competitive zeal, it's what makes them great, but, boy, it puts them in some bad situations. And one other thought, you know, Tim mentioned Tom Brady compared to, you know, Joe Montana, and there are a lot of parallels there except – the 49ers had Steve Young waiting in the wings, and, and you wonder if the Tom Brady departure was kind of hastened by Bill Belichick's frustration that, that they, they had a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo and traded him off, and, and a guy that got a team to a Super Bowl this year. Uh, but with Montana, with the Chiefs, They had a terrific defense as it was, and they also added Marcus Allen that year. So they had a great running back. They had a killer defense, and as a quarterback, you could see a path to winning something that mattered there. There's no path in Tampa. They're not any good.
2: No, they're not. But you know who is good? Nebraska wrestling. You know who's a great coach? Mark Manning. We'll talk to him after the break. Stay with us.
1: Tuesday night edition of Sports Nightly. I'm Nate Rohr, Ben McLaughlin with me. And, of course, this week is always one of the best in the sports calendar with the NCAA basketball tournament. And also, it's usually the week where the NCAA wrestling championships are going on. But due to the current health crisis that is in our country and in the world Both the basketball and the wrestling tournaments have been canceled, and Nebraska's head wrestling coach, Mark Manning, is uh, with us this evening. And, Coach Manning, first off, thanks for joining us. And when you guys were getting ready to come home from uh, the Big Ten championships out in Rutgers where you guys finished second, was this the fact that the NCAA tournament could be canceled, was that even on your radar when you guys were coming home?
3: no it wasn't nate um it was uh it was far from it we were thinking hey we are we have 10 guys going to the ncaa tournament and we have 10 guys that that really have a legitimate chance to be all be all americans and and we were hoping for some national championships so we were uh, we were thinking big at that time, and we were <laughs> yeah. we were not thinking of of uh, getting cancelled but but that was life
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it uh how, how quickly did the uh, conversation evolve uh, in the wrestling on the wrestling side of things from hey we're going to have this tournament to hey, maybe we have to uh, restrict. The fans that we let let in, maybe only let in a certain number of fans, to where it ended up just being canceled at this time.
3: Yeah, I think Nate, uh, we we had we had heard on like Tuesday, I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday last week, that they were just going to let in, you know, coaches and and essential personnel, you know, trainers, um, and then each family was going to have so many. Have a pass list to get their family members in to watch, to watch their sons compete. You know, so it went from like wow, uh, you know, forty thousand plus uh, people coming to the NCAA tournament for three days to well, just friends and or just family and uh, and essential staff, but at least the athletes were going to be able to compete and compete for, you know. Something they work really, really hard for—not not just during the season, the five months, but you know, from all their preparations last summer and fall, and and just what they dream of—they dream of being all American, and they dream of being a national champion—and <clears throat> they just, uh, you know, that was—you know—that stopped once we got the news that that they were going to cancel, you know, all the NCAA championships this spring.
1: You mentioned forty thousand fans being there, and uh, maybe folks know, maybe they don't. Uh, this this year the NCAA wrestling championships were supposed to be at U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings play up in Minneapolis. Usually uh, the wrestling championships are are at big arenas. It's been at the uh, CHIL Center in Omaha before. Usually it's in a NHL NBA arena. How much excitement was there in the sport for that? The fact that not only were you going to be on this big stage but you know you could you could have 40,000 people in the building for that. Was that some Something that was being talked about in the sport of wrestling even in the early part of the year
3: yeah they were it was <clears throat> you know we are it's funny our NCAA championship is is has been a huge money maker for the NCAA and you know not not in the basketball category but but it's always made money and now it's it's our sport is growing where we're packing 20 seat 20 seat uh capacity arenas you know for three days six sessions so two sessions each day and it's sold out and more people want to come and so they said hey well the next bigger arena you got hockey arenas and basketball arenas you're selling out but let's let's try this so that's why the u.s bank stadium like you mentioned in in minnesota was chosen and that you know, sports committee put that bid together and the NCA they had sold 40,000 tickets and they were actually feeling they had a chance to be, have, you know, 50,000. So hmm. a, a lot of sweets, a lot of, you know, it's, there was a lot of excitement. Plus ESPN carries a lot of the rounds now, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so there was a whole lot of excitement around, you know, our sport. And, um, but you know, just live and learn. We're going to move on. And <laughs> it yeah. would have been, it would have been quite a, uh, quite a spectacle. And, you know, it, it hasn't been an arena or in a football stadium like that. So it was going to be different for the fans, but also, it, you know, the, the amount of people and the popularity of all college wrestling has really, you know, been on the rise and, You know, I think we're the third biggest viewership in the Big Ten now behind football and men's basketball. So there's a there's a lot of momentum out there and there's just a lot of content on the Big Ten network and Fox Sports. And so, uh, you know, it was going to be a really big deal. So now we just have to wait and. And do it again some another year, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully this uh, championship gets another shot at at being in a dome. I know the next couple of years, uh, it's scheduled to be uh, in St. Louis at uh, the Scott Trade Center where the Blues play, and then also uh, at the Detroit Red Wings Arena the year after that. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe in the future it can be at a dome. Uh, and we're chatting with Nebraska's wrestling coach Mark Manning. Uh, you talk about how wrestling is growing around the conference this was also a huge year for you guys i mean finishing second in the big 10 uh you know big 10 wrestling is just excellent in terms of the quality of the conference did you see this big a year coming from your team at the beginning of the year or even at the midpoint Mm -hmm. of the year
3: yeah good good question we we knew we had we knew we had the pieces to be very very competitive and you know i think we we proved that to ourselves when we went and wrestled Iowa we wrestled Iowa really tough but the result looked you know they beat us I think 25 to 6 but really four other matches could he win either way and we win the dual meet so but that's kind of a little bit of the nature of the sports any sport right the margin of error is very small but you know the next week we came back and 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 next weekend we wrestled Penn State here at home and lost 20 to 18 and Penn states won eight out of the last national eight and nine national championships. So and then we beat Ohio State here and so we you know, three weeks in a row, we wrestled three of the toughest teams in the in our conference and I think our young guys really proved themselves and I think early in the season I was going out to Las Vegas and there was forty some teams there and we won that tournament. It really I think our guys really got a lot of confidence as the year went on, and also, you know, they just they developed a, that that competitor within themselves, and and I think um, you know the Big Ten conference meet where where we finished second, like you mentioned, really proved more to them. So that belief level kept building over the course of the year, and we knew we had you know really good. Uh, we knew we had a really good team. It's just, you know, putting it all together and, and seeing it all come together was really, really special.
1: Now, looking ahead, and I'm sure this offseason is going to feel like forever for you, but, I mean, you return seven of those guys uh, from this year's team. How, how excited are you about what you've got coming back next year and, and the, the possibility of maybe putting together a similar year next year?
3: yeah absolutely we we feel really good about it and uh you know a lot can happen We'll see what what happens with eligibility issues with with uh maybe having those seniors being able to gain a year of eligibility back. We know you know one guy david jensen our one of our heavyweights um you know he's going on to med school so he's probably not gonna give up that but um but you know isaiah white who's a all american for us and and, um, you know, it's won a lot of big matches for us. You know, could get next year. Colin Purrington could get next year. So we'll just have to wait and see on those guys. But we we feel like we we have, you know, six really good guys coming in on a recruiting class that that we put together in the last couple of years. And we feel really good about those guys and, and uh, about the guys coming back. So a lot to be really positive about and just – keep building this program where we where we want to where we want to get to
1: finally coach uh, obviously a good year a big year for <laughs> wrestling uh, at the college level and it's also an important year for the sport of wrestling on the international level with the olympics and uh, of course this virus is causing some worry about will the olympics go on as scheduled will you know how will that look uh, what concerns are you hearing about that? I know you're involved uh, with helping Jordan Burroughs get ready uh, to compete internationally. What, what are you hearing on that front?
3: Yeah, it was, um, you know, this this spring was going to be really busy spring for us. With you know the you know once March comes, it's kind of March Madness for us. <laughs> you know, yeah. with the Big Tens. and then two weeks later, the NCA Championships. And then the Olympic trials for wrestling um, was two weeks from from uh, this weekend, so April fourth and fifth. And so, you know, for the viewers that don't 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 um, don't know how our Olympic process works, there's only one guy per weight class that makes the Olympic team. So, you know, a lot of guys try out, but but only one guy makes it. You know, so Jordan Burroughs made it in 2012 and 2016. And he's made every world team in between, which is almost unheard of. And James Green has made five world teams. Well, they only have six weight classes in the in the Olympic Games. And so um, James Green will be at the same weight Jordan is competing at. And then uh, a number of other guys. Uh, <clears throat> a two-time world champion, Kyle Dake, is going to be at that weight, along with Isaiah Martinez and a lot of other guys. So it's a lot of competition and but only one guy makes the makes the team and so jordan's actually as a returning medalist world medalist he gets to sit out which means he's in auto automatically in the olympic trial finals so he has to beat whoever comes through the bracket he wrestles that guy two out of three to make the olympic team and so it's it's a it's a it's uh it mentally and physically demanding, but <clears throat> for Jordan, it, he's in a good spot. He's, he's got to beat one guy t- two out of three times. So um, we're positive that the Olympics will still go on. You know, Japan is reporting that their prime minister is saying that Tokyo will happen. The Olympic trial process is, for us, it's postponed. So it could be we're hearing the end of May. Um, and it's supposed to be held in State College, Pennsylvania. So uh, kind of the heart of the wrestling country is is in Pennsylvania. And uh, we'll see if, you know, if if it happens there. They could go, you know, maybe say go to the Olympic Training Center and just and just stream it and, and only have, you know, coaches and essential staff there. So I'm not sure. That's kind of what we're hearing right now into May. So we're just kind of in a holding pattern and, and uh, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, got to be tough to stay ready, and especially with, you know, the biggest moments of the sport coming up, it's got to be tough for those guys to stay in that holding pattern, stay ready, and and yet uh, be ready to go out and wrestle and, and do the most important stuff in the sport. And we'll uh, certainly have an eye on it and hopefully uh, see Jordan uh, back on the Olympic team, and hopefully all that is uh, is able to happen. Coach, thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully – Good showing in the Olympic trials for Jordan, and then that carries through for your team, and uh, you guys put together another great year uh, next year. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank
3: well, thanks a lot, Nate. Appreciate you guys, and thanks for all the fans that follow Husker wrestling and, and Husker sports. So, go, Oscars.
1: There you go. Head coach Mark Manning of the Nebraska wrestling team, which put together an excellent run in the Big Ten championships and was really well positioned at the NCAAs before they were canceled.
2: Hour 2 Sports Nightly, Tuesday night. Thanks for bringing us back. Hopefully we're keeping you company here tonight on a Tuesday. Hopefully everybody's staying safe out there. Hope you keep you entertained here for the next few hours here on Sports Nightly. Big thanks to Nebraska wrestling coach Mark Manning for joining us last hour. Good stuff. Good insight on Husker wrestling, the end of their season, and what's next in the Olympics for Husker wrestling. As Tim told you, the departure of Gervais Green into the transfer portal for Nebraska basketball just broke about 10 minutes ago, so another roster spot will need to be filled for nebraska basketball um coming up here in just a second top 10 tuesday taking this baby all hour and tonight we are doing top 10 best moments in ncaa tournament history with a little bit of a twist a little flavor can't wait to do it let's go ahead and get it started we think them up we count them down it's
0: top 10 tuesdays on sports nightly all
2: right fellas top moments ncaa tournament history i feel like for me a lot of my list i had to live i had to experience it but there are some moments that you're not around for that you just cannot ignore so i've got some of the iconic moments in the tournament, but a lot of these I have witnessed in per- person. I think that brings it a little more personable, personal to me um, to, to having watched the game or watched the moment live.
1: Yeah, there was some of that for me. I mean, I did look back and, uh, you know, there's a pretty heavy dose of the 80s on here. Um, there is some recent on here that I watched, but I feel like I've got a good mix of the history and, and even the recent stuff and And, you know, the the NCAA tournament, I I have to say, has lost a little juice just because you don't have these rosters that you know, guys that you hate, love, know something about from the year before to the next year. So there's not continuity. You don't you're you're learning a new cast every year, but there are there that's been kind of counteracted by some excitement and some good finishes and things like that in recent years
0: tim yeah my uh my selections all happened in the past two years now i mean, <laughs> i have a i have ah. probably one deep cut on here but the rest of it's all fairly recent. um yeah i mean i think that that part of that is for me like you're talking about ben it, it it makes a lot bigger impact and imprint on your brain when you actually witness, watch it live. Uh, but, of course, I had to include a few historical examples on here just because, um, you know, they become just part of your, of your memory and your sports kind of life just because you've seen it so many times. I mean, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but um, one of the things that ESPN has been showing ever since this this whole coronavirus pandemic is the the NC State documentary, uh, the 30 for 30, and, you know, watching that over and over, you know, the, the significance of, of, of that moment of them winning it all with Jimmy V, um, that certainly is something that's, that's made an impression on me, even though I wasn't alive to see it. So um,
2: a lot of this stuff is really, really cool and can't wait to get into it. All right. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and start. And the little flavor is we're going to bring you back to the moment. And mine, I'm going to 2008, the national championship between Kansas and Memphis. And for Rock Chalk Jayhawk, one of the big moments in recent memory.
3: Have to concentrate
2: under pressure. This is a big deal right here for this freshman. Kansas just used its last timeout he backed off as well Wow! look at where his feet are compared to where he released the shot he's back a foot and a half that's cold pressure he's got one more and Kansas at the very least will have a shot to tie it with 10.8 seconds
3: second. with that one Kansas that one.
2: has made only two threes on the night they must make one here to extend the game Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it! It's two it! seconds. Unbelievable. Dozier at midcourt for the championship. No, we're going to overtime in San Antonio. Jim, the free throws did it and put Memphis in this kind of a position. Wow, um, wow. Uh, you go back to that moment, and you, again, I. I remember uh, the whole story with that Memphis team, boys. Was can they make their free throws? And they shot 63 percent from the line that night. That is the same Memphis team that had Derrick Rose on it, had 18 points that night. Uh, but Mario Chalmers, who was just had just made one three prior to that, he was one of five from downtown. Buries that one. Kansas just three made three pointers in the game. Chalmers had two of them. And uh, an overtime victory for Kansas, 75-68 the final.
1: Yeah, and Kansas not having won a national championship in 20 years, and they'd been good every year with with Roy. That made it all the bigger that they were able to capture that championship. All right, for my number 10, we're going to go to 1993, the Superdome in New Orleans. And the headline, the Fab Five falls flat on its face. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked.
3: Out. He, he walked, and the referee missed it.
1: Weber
2: brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he calls too many calls.
3: timeouts. That's a technical foul.
2: He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many, and so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Weber thought they had a timeout in the pocket. Dean Smith, eight seconds away from a second national championship. The Fab Five comes up short again. There you have it. North Carolina is the 1993 national champion.
1: So there you go, Chris Weber calling a timeout that Michigan did not have. And I didn't realize this, 23 points, 11 rebounds in that game for Weber. And, you know, that Michigan team – with the Fab Five, those teams were so important culturally. I mean, you talk about uh, 30 for 30s, one was made about them, and and that team was stacked and with all the buzz and all the hype and all the talent. You know, it's kind of tough to believe that they weren't able to win a national championship and just a critical gaffe on the biggest stage for Chris Webber as he called a timeout that – michigan didn't have and essentially handed the 93 national title to north carolina
2: that was utterly crazy to think about you know you think about how impactful that moment was in the fab five if you've seen that documentary you know that the players still haven't talked about that moment to this day and that was it for them i mean that was their last chance to win a national championship all five of those guys and it never happened, and on top of that, they've had their banners ripped down a Chrysler Arena uh, by the by the administration. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, utterly crazy finish to that run, and one of the most iconic. Nate used the perfect word: um, teams and eras in college basketball history, ending with a timeout. That didn't belong to Chris Weber. <laughs> One of the things too, it's kind of poetic justice
0: almost if you think about it, because you heard there at the beginning of the the clip there is is Weber totally walked. I mean, there's a really awkward if you see the video. He kind of has this kind of stunted yeah. kind of sm- movement at the beginning, and he totally walks with the ball. Mm-hmm. And the referee, the the, the, the trailing ref. Is looking just straight ahead, and he walks right by Weber and doesn't even look over. So you can really think about it. You know, Weber definitely screwed up there, but at the same time, uh, the they, the North Carolina kind of got some poetic justice out of that because Weber totally should have been called for a travel violation. But that leads me to my In number ten. The end, it all worked out. Yeah, it all works yeah. out.
1: Um,
0: it leads me to my number ten. This is a another almost. Um, uh, this is the uh, one of the only shots um that can be in a top 10 that actually didn't go in
3: so they would hope that zubek makes this not gonna try it's hayward pulling it down getting around zubek at midcourt launches the shot oh, almost went in
1: almost went in and duke is the king of the dance 2010
0: of course, that was Gordon Hayward's half-court heave that wasn't. Uh, I remember watching that live, and when as soon as that ball left Hayward's hands, I I thought to myself oh, my goodness, I think that's going in. Of course, it just barely, barely, it banks off the rim, hits the front, or rather, it banks off the the back iron, and then it kind of hits off the front of the rim, and it it, it just barely, barely missed, and that was almost a a kind of a David versus Goliath situation beating Mighty Duke, but uh, they did come up just, just short,
2: but the the incredible, incredible sequence there. Yeah, I watched that game with Josh in studio. Uh, We were watching sport. we were obviously working sports nightly that night, and the funny part about that is I thought Butler was a fraud. I thought they were the softest Final Four team to make it, and here they were literally two inches away from being national champions. Shows how much I know uh, slash new at the time. But, yeah, that that, that is go- will forever go down as the shot that almost went in that was the dagger to Mike Krzyzewski's heart.
1: And what could have topped it all off, I mean, that was in Indianapolis. Can you imagine the scene if Butler had won the national championship in its home city? You know, it it would have been Hoosiers 2.0. It would have been uh, about as good a finish uh, as you could have had, but unfortunately the ball clanged off the rim and Goliath took David and shoved him back into the river. (laughs) <laughs>
2: oh boy! All right, on to my number nine. As of 2018, not many people, a very small percentage, could tell you that Loyola Chicago's mascot was the Ramblers. Well, they were rumbling their way to the 2018 tournament.
1: So they would hope. One timeout. They don't take it.
3: Oh! He got it. Oh, he got the And the Ramblers are moving on.
1: One timeout.
2: Let's All right, uh, That's a couple uh, of perfects. All right, back. Wow. Um, what a run. Beat Miami 64-62 on a buzzer beater. You come back, you beat Tennessee 63-62. You knock off the seven seed, Nevada 69-68. Then, remember, K-State upset the one seed in that region and they won 68-72 over K-State. They, they ended up losing by 12 to Michigan, but that was a really competitive game with the Wolverines to try and make it to the national championship to play Villanova. But uh, Sister Jean, um, just the, the Loyola of Chicago Ramblers dusting their way through the tournament yeah. is something I'll remember for a long time as an 11 seed.
1: Yeah, fun Cinderella story. I mean, it's one thing when a small school or you know, like a, a Butler in its latter stages or Gonzaga. Now, it's one thing when it's a basketball school. You see them coming, and then they they, they still find a way to make their charge through the tournament. But nobody saw Loyola of Chicago coming, and and, and for them to make a, a really a true Cinderella run like that uh, was was about as exciting as this tournament gets. So, yeah, that's a uh, solid choice there in, in the number nine spot.
2: All right, Nate, Speaking go ahead. Speaking
1: of number nine, yeah, nobody's perfect, especially John Calipari, Wisconsin, runs Kentucky off the path to an undefeated season. Nails in the Kentucky coffin. <laughs> and they are. Daggers by Kaminsky. Time winding down, Euless for three, and that's it! For the first time since 1941, 74 years, the Wisconsin Badgers will play for the National Championship! Yeah, this one didn't break my heart. I mean, that was a good Kentucky team, but... Uh, The cloud that always surrounds John Calipari and how he goes about assembling his teams. I'm usually pretty loath to get excited about Wisconsin, but uh, this time I I was full-on Bucky on Wisconsin and was glad they knocked off John Calipari and the Wildcats.
2: That was such an interesting team, Kentucky. um, A lot of people looked at that, and, you know, of course the Indiana team's going to get brought up, right, anytime any team's undefeated. And a lot of people thought that was going to happen, but Wisconsin was on a mission that year to to even get there. And, um, yeah, Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, Bronson Koenig, that was a really loaded Wisconsin team. And, yeah, they slayed the giant. Yeah, Frank the Tank, one of the better nicknames, too, uh, coming out of that team.
0: Uh, my number nine, though, uh, the probably what is the ultimate Cinderella story?
2: You can't come up with enough. Absolute incredible performance. Shock it awe in college basketball. UMBC makes history in Charlotte.
0: For this one, too, um, I I remember getting the the alerts for this one. I wasn't even tuned into it because I figured, oh, it's a 16 taken on a one seed. That's not going to happen. Good joke. Um, but I remember watching the score update. It was UMBC. In fact, they, they didn't just beat Virginia. They blew them out. I think they won by like 20 points, uh, something like that. They, they easily won by double digits. And so I remember hopping on my laptop and catching the very tail end of that game. And I, I kind of regret uh, not, not catching it earlier. Um, we, we've seen a lot of 16 seeds get close, but uh, none until 2018. And UMBC uh, knocked off the one seed. It's so a very, very good job by them.
2: Yeah, that that was one of those moments where, like, is this really going to happen? Is this really – are we really going to do this, UMBC? It's like next media segment, they're still winning. Next media segment, they're winning by more. Next media segment, they're winning by more. And you slowly start to see the panic and the panic and the panic of Coach Bennett and every Cavalier on that bench. And eventually you just knew it was UMBC's night, and we finally did it, a 16 over a 1. And then Virginia comes back and wins the national championship last year. But uh, we knew someone would do it. Never thought in a million years it would be University of Maryland of Baltimore County.
1: Yeah, just a shock. I mean, they always say when you're filling out your brackets, start by putting the ones through to the second round, and now that was broken by by UMBC, and the margin was the shocking part. I mean, you figured if it was going to happen, it would be on a buzzer beater, but wasn't the case. UMBC dominated that game throughout.
2: All right, on to my number eight, going back to the year 2006 for another Cinderella.
3: Rebound, Yukon. Denham Brown, three to go. Denham Brown, four, three. No good by George. The dream is alive.
2: The George Mason Patriots, yep. led by Jim Laranega, as an 11 seed. And at large, guys, they got it as an at-large.
1: What a call by Vernon Lundquist by the way that was awesome.
2: <laughs> he had that one in the chamber ready to go. Uh, the, you think about it boys, they beat look at the listen to the teams that they beat to get there. I know it's an 11-6 but Michigan State, they win by 10. Then they beat North Carolina as the 3 seed. Wichita State knocked off the 2 seed Tennessee, but then they beat the number 1 seed in that bracket, Yukon's Huskies to get to the final four. Now they got blitzed by Florida. But still, to make it there, that was unheard of. They just kept winning and winning and winning, and George Mason will always hold a place in college basketball's fans' hearts after what they did in 2006. Absolutely, and the thing I was thinking about
0: too is that in recent years we have seen, and some of these are on the list. So I won't, I won't spoil it. But you know, we've seen some of these teams, these lower-seeded teams, actually make runs. But George Mason kind of felt like the first team in a long, long time to actually kind of break through, kind of break that glass ceiling, so to speak, and it caught everyone by surprise. I don't think anyone expected that at all. It was quite quite the run, as you mentioned, Ben.
1: My number eight, speaking of Cinderella's, we go to the Myriad in Oklahoma City, and Cinderella was wearing gold and brown as they took on Ole Miss.
0: By Jamie Sykes, Carter pressuring. It's to Jenkins,
3: to Drew, for the win! Gone! He did it! Bryce Drew did it! Falpo has won the game! A miracle!
1: So there you go, Bryce Drew hits that shot, high right side, uh, beating Ole Miss. It was really one of the first big upsets that I remember uh, seeing, and that knocked off the four-seed Ole Miss by the 13 seed Valpo and uh, you know the bad news is that it's uh, sprung the Drew family on us in college basketball especially (laughs) at Baylor but at least for one day it was a fun Cinderella story unfortunately it has metastasized to something much different
0: crazy <laughs> and of course uh, Bryce Drew now is uh headed to Grand Canyon uh, as the head coach that was the news today uh leaving Valpo so some some Bryce Drew news How about for that you. very topical um which brings me to my number seven uh this one is one of the eight. Most, Oh, number eight that's right uh which actually has already been mentioned George Mason to make to the final four so that's why I tried
2: to skip right over it all right. Okay. Very good. All right. Let's go on to the seven. We'll hit our first break after number seven. This one just mentioned Michigan State a bit ago. You felt like, is it ever going to happen? Is it really going to happen? And for the Blue Raiders, it sure did.
1: It's a conference USA's Middle Tennessee inside knocked away. Raymond got it. A steal. And here come Middle Tennessee wide to the lane. Give it up.
2: Middle Tennessee hangs ninety on the Michigan State Spartans, the number two ranked team in the country, and they win ninety to eighty one. They were up by six at the half and just dominated the Spartans. And for Michigan State, as the two seed that year, no bueno.
1: Oof, it's just brutal to lose to a school like that. But that's the uh, that's the flavor of the tournament and just getting those Cinderellas through and getting the upsets and uh, you know as much as you want to see blue bloods make it through you also need an upset or two to make the ncaa tournament feel interesting
2: all right nate all go right ahead.
1: my number yeah sure my number uh, seven uh, an exciting game but maybe even more important as a a piece of social history and a piece of history in sports in america
3: Burger on the pivot turns and takes a jump shot. Good, but still trailing seventy-two to sixty-five, and the ball game is over. As Kentucky has lost the
1: championship game for the first time in their history. So that Jeez, was that sounds the so nineteen sixty-six. <laughs> How about that for some radio <laughs> yeah, quality? Must have been. Yeah, that guy was fired up. Uh, that was the sixty-six NCAA finals. Uh, Then Texas Western, the institution now known as University of Texas-El Paso, knocking off Kentucky for the national championship. And, of course, the social history there, five black players starting for Texas Western under Don Haskins, beating an all-white starting lineup fielded by Adolph Rupp, who uh, apparently was something of a racist, but his team fell in that one. Of course, this uh, national championship game, dramatized into the movie Glory Road that came out about 15 years ago. But Texas Western, making history. My number seven.
2: All right, Tim, before we get to your number seven, we will continue along with our top ten Tuesdays here on Sports Nightly. Good stuff so far. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. The number get into the program tonight. Woodhouse Auto Family uh, brought to you. Our hotline again tonight, bringing you more choices and brands, locations, and service, experience, a difference, purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We're back with number seven and beyond next. We are winding down our top ten list, March Madness moments in the history of the NCAA tournament. We left off with our number two, starting with me, Chris Weber, calling a timeout he does not have. That's been mentioned already by both Tim and Nate. So my number two, University of Michigan uh, calling a timeout against North Carolina.
1: Uh, my number two, speaking of a North Carolina National Championship, Michael Jordan introducing himself to the national stage, hitting the jumper against Georgetown to give Dean Smith his first national championship in 1982.
0: Yeah, my number two has already been mentioned, the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater, and then my number one is the same as everyone else's, North Carolina State shock in the world.
2: Seven seconds. You can see the time. Wittenberg,
0: oh, it's a long
3: way. Oh. They won it. I'm the dunk.
2: Wow. Five slam jamma going down to NC State. How about it?
1: The quintessential championship game upset, and uh, that's, you know, there, and then the one in 85 with Villanova. Those were kind of a couple of the games that really elevated March Madness into, you know, the level of excitement that we've seen and and why we're missing it so badly right now.
2: There we go, Top Ten Tuesday. I don't know, boys, I don't know if this this helped help me or made me miss it even more. So we might have did ourselves a disservice by hearing all these highlights and reliving the glory but that was a lot of fun our top 10 moments